2: Listener discretion is advised.
0: Family annihilation and spree killing.
3: You just said family annihilation.
0: I did. So a couple definitions here. So family annihilation is like when multiple close family members are killed in like one location in a short period of time. And then spree killing. So you have like serial killings, which are like multiple victims multiple murder victims but there's like a cool off period in between yeah like a
3: like it's like a course of time
0: yeah and it's multiple locations okay this there's like mass murder which is like multiple murders in like one location and then for this case it's a spree killing so it's multiple murders multiple locations but it's a short period of time if that helps
3: yeah yeah i mean i'm just more into the uh First one you said kind of caught yeah, my interest. Yeah, the it piques
0: your interest. It's kind of sad though. I'm gonna not gonna. Oh, lie. don't
3: tell me that. Sorry.
0: All right. So Charles Starkweather was born on November of 1938 in Lincoln, Nebraska, to Guy and Helen Starkweather. He was the third out of seven kids. Wow. Yeah. There's lots of big families. Every
3: every murder comes from a big yeah, family. It really it seems does.
0: Like. Um. So Guy was a carpenter. But he had arthritis in his hands, so there was, like, frequent bouts of unemployment because, obviously, carpenters need their hands. So, kind of real unfortunate ailment he had. Uh, Helen was a waitress. Uh, She had to pick up the shifts a lot when Guy was laid off, I guess, or unemployed. They weren't the most well-off family, like, in terms of finances, obviously, but they made it work. Guy and Helen were always, like, helping their neighbors whenever they needed, and the neighbors just absolutely loved the Starkweather children because they were all so well-behaved. Charles had it really rough growing up, though, once school started. He was bow-legged, and he had a stutter, and he was extremely nearsighted. Now, the nearsightedness wasn't diagnosed until he was a teenager, so everybody just assumed he was a slow learner, but he just couldn't Couldn't see for shit. So like he, He couldn't even read the top of the eye chart like the giant e he couldn't even read that like that's how nearsighted he was so kids bullied him a lot there was actually one case where they pushed him into oncoming traffic and laughed at him and said like his bow legs weren't working and that's why he went into traffic he got hit by a car
3: oh my god yeah
0: i don't think it was serious though but like
3: but at the same time like uh That's so messed up for somebody to do. Like, what grade was this in?
0: It didn't specify. It was just a real quick, like, oh, yeah. And then his bullying got so bad one day that he got pushed into oncoming traffic and taller than his peers. So, obviously, he had a lot of, like, pent-up emotion and aggression from being bullied so much. And he ended up, like, initially finding an outlet in gym class where he would just, like seek revenge on all the kids who bullied him by just, like, wrecking them in gym class.
3: Power to him, man. Yeah,
0: I like, at this time. He's an asshole later in life, but just saying. Right now, before he turns into the asshole, like... He's
3: getting his revenge. I'm a fan
0: of a little bit of karma. Yeah. I am.
3: What goes around comes around.
0: Exactly. So, things escalated outside of gym class though and he actually got expelled from his middle school for just being a brutal bully to all the other kids
3: well now see that's the part where all yeah right. that's
0: where it's like okay that's no longer karma that's just you're being an asshole now so he watched the movie rebel without a cause have you ever seen it
3: i'm pretty sure i've seen that one i've
0: never seen it it looks kind of interesting it's a james dean like classic like 1955 teenage cult classic. Uh, James Dean played a teenager named Jim who was like sensitive and troubled and he just kind of wanted to find his place in the world. Um, and the, his family moved to a new town and he kind of takes on gang members with some other troubled teens. Is that like the premise of it pretty much?
3: Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen yeah, it. Yeah.
0: I I should I want to watch it now. but
3: All right. Well, we'll watch it after this.
0: Cool. It's a date. All right, so Charles.
3: Huh. Huh. You just said date. <laughs>
0: Why was that funny? I don't know. Are you are your pain meds kicking? Oh, in? I think they are. Oh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> okay, so Charles became obsessed with James Dean at this point. I think he just kind of connected to like the social outcast of his Rebel Without a Cause character. But he started to like imitate his like speech and his behavior and, like, sort of dressing like him and stuff.
3: So he straight up just altered his personality off of one movie.
0: Off of one movie. He was like, yeah, you. I'm going to be you.
3: That'd be pretty hard. What? For you to be me. I didn't say that.
0: <laughs> so in high school, he and his buddies formed the Leather Jacket Gang. And on the Saturdays, they would go to a street that was, like, the barrier point between a neighboring gang called the Levi Jacket Gang. And they would, like, stand on both sides of the streets and just, like, yell at each other. But then they would wrap it up and, like, I'll go get food together or I'll go to an amusement park together or, like, play chicken with their car. So it's like, you suck. No, you suck. Your mom's fat. No, your mom's fat. You want to get milkshakes? Fuck yeah. Yeah, Let's go get some french fries, dude. It made no sense. I have no idea, but... That's like what he did on Saturday night.
3: At first, I kind of had some like Dallas. Outsiders. Yeah. At first, I had kind of like some outsider like.
0: Yeah. Greasers. Yeah. And then
3: all of a sudden, you're like, let's get some milkshakes. I'm like. It
0: made no (laughs) sense. I don't understand what the heck the purpose was. Like at that point, just be like the Levi Leather Jacket gang and just like. I don't know, get milkshakes together. Yeah. Do community service or something.
3: (laughs) Go clean up the streets after you yell at each other. God,
0: I don't understand. So Charles drops out of school at the age of 16 and then just starts a job at the Western Newspaper Union, just making newspaper bundles, so like tying the strings for like the paper boys to deliver. He's making like 85 cents an hour, so like... With inflation today that would be like a little less than nine dollars, like eight seventy eight is what the Googlator said.
3: The Googlator? The
0: Googlator. Alright, so this brings us to Carol Ann Fugate. She was born on July of nineteen forty three in Lincoln, Nebraska, to William and Velda Fugate. Velda. Velda, yeah.
3: That's a pretty solid name.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Carol was the youngest, and she had one older sister named Barbara, and they were, like, three years apart. They were pretty close um, because they spent a lot of time in closets together. What? Yeah. Like, dress-up? Like, nope. Narnia-type stuff? No. Nope. So, their dad, William, was a drunk, and he wasted all of his paychecks on, like, liquor and beer. Didn't save any money for food or bills or rent. He called off constantly because he was too drunk to show up. And he was pretty verbally abusive. So when he got home, Velda would like hide the girls in the closet. And if he was sober, she would let them out right away. But if he was drunk, they just stayed in the closet until he got so drunk that he passed out.
3: Wow. That's, uh, that's definitely not a childhood I would want to be in.
0: No, not at all. So yeah, they were close.
3: I feel like so far all the cases is just like pent up aggression to their families
0: it's hard because it's like you can tell that like they're growing up their life was not the best but also it's like that nature versus nurture kind of thing like is it just something they grew up like if their families were decent would they have been decent people but also some of them it's just like the most minor inconvenience makes them want to kill people and i can't ever i mean i can get pretty angry at sometimes but never angry enough to murder somebody
3: yeah i don't think i could either
0: no so it's kind of like they were also kind of like, born with it. Maybe yeah. it's Maybelline. Sorry. Do you understand that reference? No. Maybelline makeup. <laughs> Did I just? Well, that fell flat because you don't know the Maybelline slogan. Maybe well, she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline.
3: Yeah, I got it. Just wasn't. No, you funny. <laughs> don't. Shut up. Yes, it was. it was hilarious.
0: There's so many people laughing right now. Whatever. <sighs> Where was I?
3: You were talking about closets.
0: Yes. They were obviously frequently evicted from where they were living. They were moving constantly. And then, so all this moving affected Carol academically. She had to like repeat the first grade because she moved to five different schools between the start of her kindergarten year and the initial ending of her first first grade year. So like, that's like two and a half schools per year. That's messed up. Yeah, it's crazy. So she kind of eventually developed this, like, what's-the-point attitude when it came to school and making friends because she just knew she would be moving eventually anyway, so there wasn't really a point in getting attached or putting much effort in, you know? So the only constant that Carol had, though, was hiding in the closet with Barbara. That was the only thing that remained the same no matter where she was. That
3: is so messed up.
0: Yeah. So one day, though, William decided that he was going to escalate from being a verbally abusive asshole to a physically abusive asshole according to the novel the 12th victim by linda Battisti, quote they heard something more than the usual tirade blows a scream and a thud against the kitchen table brought the girls out of the closet in time to see their father's hands squeezed around Velda's throat barbara got a butcher knife and brandished it in the air while carol found a hammer got down on her hands and knees and tried to hit her father's toes both girls were screaming don't hurt our mother let go of our mother end quote. Wow. Yeah. So at this time, they were living in an apartment complex right next to Velda's sister and her mom. So Grandma Pansy, who is Velda's mom, heard all of this, broke through the door, took the knife from Barbara, and then William just like bolted out the door. This was like an eye-opening moment for Velda, and she decided that it was like over with William. There's a couple times where he like, a week later, came back to get his stuff, and then he left. And then, like a couple years later, he wanted the girls to move in with him, but both of them were like, "Uh, no, fat chance." And then, like that's kind of the all end we of hear him, from him. Yeah. yeah,
3: like good riddance. I'm not you sure if he shit.
0: still had any minor talking to with either of the girls, but that's all that was mentioned. I'm in any of Assuming probably I
3: not after what they had to deal with.
0: No, I mean, assume, like he asked them to move in, and they're like, "Yeah, no." So I'm assuming that the relationship probably was not mended as it should probably should not because he sounds like a real piece Piece of shit yeah so velda divorces william as she should remarries years later to a man named marion bartlett who was a world war ii vet so right on and he just treated the girls like they were his own he was great Uh, eventually velda and marion had a daughter together and they named her betty jean bartlett
3: that is the cutest name. Isn't
0: it? Like Betty Jean. Betty Jean, mm-hmm. Betty Jean
3: you get over here right now.
0: Yeah. Does that feel good to say? Yeah, you it good? did.
3: Yeah. That that warmed my heart oh, a little bit. Oh, okay. You know?
0: So her name was better than the rhyming of Ray and Faye yeah, Copeland? Yeah, Ray
3: and Faye just sucked.
0: Well, yeah, they sucked, but the names were satisfying. All right, so Carol's sister, Barbara, actually started dating charles starkweather oh yeah but she ended up liking his friend bob von bush better
3: von bush von bush wow that's yeah
0: very fancy
3: fancy he,
0: he eats caviar oh you know? he's from france oh i wonder if he made bush light
3: not a chance dude I don't know.
0: Mate, it's spelled the same all right so barbara and bob kind of like felt bad that charles kind of got shafted in the whole relationship and they ended up together and whatever so they're like hey charles let me hook you up with my little sister carol
3: every time you say carol that way it makes me think of carol baskins
0: killed her husband been whacked. whacked him <laughs> okay sorry now i know you're thinking lovely beautiful wife of mine What is the age difference here between Charles and Carol? Yeah, I'm kind of concerned Right, that That was like word for word what you were thinking. I was definitely like... Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, lovely husband. The age difference was Charles was 18, Carol was 13. Oh. Yeah, the age of consent back then and still to this day in Nebraska is 16, by the way. So not only is this like morally yucky... It's legally yucky. So, any sort of physical
3: kissing, touching, anything hugging.
0: between the two, even with consent, is legally considered statutory rape for them. Until she becomes at least 16.
3: Well, by golly, that's pretty messed up.
0: It is. I don't know what the hell Barbara was thinking on that one. Thought Didn't, she was doing sis a favor, but...
3: Yeah, 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 let's just... 18 and 13 that that's what what about a friend like at that point in time i'd be like you know i I got a friend who's like 16 17 yeah you want to give them a try
0: i don't know so carol was just like quickly became everything that charles wanted in a girlfriend she could be heard like screaming and cheering for him at the frequent demolition derbies that he participated in she would cheer him on when he did like the chicken game with the cars with the gangs on saturday He was probably like the most exciting thing in her life because he was older. He wore leather jackets. He raised cars. He kind of had the bad boy vibes going on. So it was just kind of a perfect storm and they just like fell for each other real quick.
3: Not going to lie. That kind of makes me want me to puke like a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's gross. Yeah,
3: it's pretty nasty.
0: When I was 13, I was playing Sims and eating hot pockets eating hot pockets (laughs) yeah eating hot pockets and watching sims Yeah. what were you doing at 13
3: pretty sure i was playing backyard football
0: yeah i wasn't i
3: mean we never I, I i
0: wasn't cheering for my adult boyfriend in demo derbies
3: no i don't i don't even think i thought about girls when i was 13 like i mean i had like the occasional crush but
0: let's see i was like a freshman in high school so like a little bit but not
3: yeah
0: i don't know All right, so then they started spending, like, every waking minute they could together. Charles taught Carol how to drive with his father's car. Carol crashed the car. Charles' dad guy had to pay for the repairs.
3: How mad was his dad, though?
0: Pretty pissed because they got in an argument about it, and he physically threw Charles through an open window and kicked him out of the house
3: i probably deserved it
0: yeah he was just kind of sick of the behavior he kind of figured like hey you're spending too much time with this girl she's way too young you need to get your head on right this isn't you're making stupid decisions and then they just got in a verbal argument and then guy was just like you know what
3: with his ass sucker with
0: his yeah so he was (laughs) real pissed off
3: yeah he just picked him up and yeeted him out the window
0: huh yep so at this point, Charles quits his job at the paper factory and starts working as a garbage man because he not only wanted to case out houses to rob in the future, but he wanted to kind of develop a back road route for when he did his planned bank robberies. None of which happened.
3: Yeah. I mean, the garbage route, I could as see- As a former garbage man. Yes. As a former garbage man, you can case out and find out some pretty cool shit that people have. Right. 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 But then you also learn when they're home.
0: Well, yeah, so it's like perfect. So,
3: I mean, it is a diabolical <laughs> plan if you can actually follow through with it. Like, because you see all the, like, boxes that they purchased. You see everything.
0: Mm-hmm. So, it wasn't a bad plan.
3: It wasn't a bad plan, just poorly executed.
0: Well, he didn't even try to execute it. He just put a lot of thought into it and then went to murder instead.
3: Oh, golly.
0: Yeah, took a turn.
3: Yeah, that's an evil turn. Yeah.
0: So this brings us now to 1957, when Charles Starkweather commits his first murder at the age of 19.
2: Hi, true crime fans. Greg here. I wanted to introduce a new amazing sponsor of the show, Hunt a Killer. Valentine's Day is almost here. Get your Valentine something fun that you can do together, a murder mystery subscription box. When Beth Ferris Hendricks' death is declared an accident in the small town of Mallory Rock, Maine, her sister Gwen sets out to prove Beth was murdered. Do you have what it takes to help Gwen? With each delivery, you'll sift through piles of documents, evidence, audio recordings, case files, eliminating suspects, and identifying murder weapons until you crack the case and catch the killer. The Hunt a Killer community is growing every day and has over 2,000 five-star reviews. Go to huntakiller.com forward slash crime and use code crime at checkout for $10 off your order. Part of the proceeds for every box goes to the Cold Case Foundation, an organization that is dedicated to helping with real-life cold cases. That's huntakiller.com forward slash crime. Make sure to use the code crime at checkout for a $10 discount. Thanks to Hunt-A-Killer for sponsoring true crime and supporting independent podcasters.
0: All right, so on November 30th, Charles goes into a gas station and wants to buy a stuffed animal for Carol. At the register, he realized that he didn't have enough money on him, so he asked the manager, who was a man named Robert Colvert, if he could buy it on credit and just pay him back later. Robert refuses. And throws Charles out because Charles just would not let it go and just kept like, please let me do it. Like, come on, man. Like, just wouldn't drop it. So Robert's like, no, get out. The next day, Charles first shows up, buys a pack of cigarettes, then leaves. Shows up a second time, purchases a pack of gum, then leaves. Shows up a third time with a bandana and a hat over his face and holds Robert at gunpoint with a shotgun. I don't know why it was like third times the charm. Like maybe he was just like amping up to it or like kind of casing out the joint a couple times. Like, I don't, I don't quite understand. Probably casing it out. Maybe like go and make sure it's just Robert working and then go in again and see like if there's cameras in or something like, I don't know. So he forces Robert to open the registers. Obviously Robert's still at gunpoint and open the safe in the back of the store. And he just like takes all the money he could find. Then forces Robert to drive his own car to a nearby remote wooded area where he shoots and kills him. So he goes home, hangs out with this girl Carol, tells her about the robbery, but doesn't tell her about the murder part.
1: We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Enjoy the show.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah. So, like, key detail he left out there, but, you know.
3: Right. I mean, hey, I just stole a bunch of money from a guy that wouldn't let me buy a stuffed animal for you on credit.
0: Here's your stuffed animal that I paid for in a human sacrifice. Yeah. Like... Was was the fluffy bear worth it? You know how much bad juju would be attached to that fucking bear at that point? A lot of bad juju. Around this same time, Charles loses his job. Obviously, he can't afford to pay his rent anymore, and he gets evicted. Carol and Charles have been dating for around two years now. Carol's stepdad, Marion, is not the biggest fan of Charles, and Charles is not the biggest fan of Marion. Both are pretty open about disliking each other, too.
3: Really? So it's just like a walking argument?
0: Uh, I don't know if they, like, argued with each other or if they even saw each other. But, like, to Carol, they were both like, I don't like him. I don't like him. Like, Marion thought that Charles was too old for Carol. Which he was. Definitely solid point. I mean, I'm I'm with Marion on this one. He felt they spent too much time together. And he wanted Carol focusing on her education and following her dreams of becoming a nurse. Also... Not a bad point he's making. I mean, I understand the whole teen like my parents hate me and like they don't understand me, but like, so then Charles always had like cuts and bruises on him too from like all these like gang activities and fights and stuff. So overall, Marion just thought that he was just bad news, and Carol could do a lot better. Again, definitely solid point. point. Yeah, Marion's really three for three for me on these. And then Charles just kind of felt that Marion was just an idiot who needed to mind his own business. I still side with Marion. Oh, 110%. So at this point, Carol notices that Charles is getting a little too possessive and jealous. He questions her constantly about her talking to other boys in her class. She's 14, so like... Yeah, like... And he wants her to quit her babysitting jobs that she has so that she could spend more time with him. And he just didn't really like how her family kept saying, like, all these negative things about him to her and about, like, their relationship in general. So, all of this, like, aggression comes to a head on January 21st, 1958. So, Charles calls Carol's house. Her mom and Marion answer the phone. The three just start arguing with each other. Charles was told that he was a bad influence and to stay away from Carol. So Charles takes a rifle and some ammunition to Carol's house and then shoots and kills Carol's mom, Velda, and stepfather, Marion. What the fuck, dude? That's, hold on. Then Carol's two and a half year old sister, Betty Jean... No. Yeah. Why? He stabs and strangles her to death. That's fucked
3: up, yeah. dude. A two year old... How can you do that to a cute little baby named Betty How can Jean? I can't do
0: that to anybody, but it, yes, a two year old. Like and the fact that like strangling to it's such a personal way to kill somebody like that baby ain't said nothing negative to you. Right, but like <laughs> you have to literally like look at look, it, look, it, look it. the person in the eye when you're doing it. Like Yeah,
3: that's like a different kind of hate.
0: And a two and a half year old. Yeah. You're gonna stare a two and a half year old in the eye after you've stabbed her and you're gonna strangle her. Like
3: God I am.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Honestly, I mean, at that point in time, you just killed a two-and-a-half-year-old baby.
0: And her parents.
3: I mean, how big of a man are you? Oh, mm. you stabbed a two-year-old, yep. and then you strangled him. Like,
0: calm down. It's fucking stupid. Calm down. Take a breath In.
3: I'm um, calm. I, that stuff just bothers me.
0: I know. So. Carry on. Okay. Thank you you sure you good
3: no i'm not good but okay. let's get this going that's the
0: worst part the okay. worst part so over- i mean God. there's still more murders to come but like as parents that's the worst one for me D- well yeah so carol and charles then live in the home with the dead bodies for a few days what yeah so they they put a sign on the door that said hey whole house has this has the flu don't come in and they lived there with the decomposing bodies of felda so Marion, and Betty Jean.
3: Was she there when it happened?
0: That's the thing. That's up for debate because... So it's up for debate if Carol participated in the murder of her family or not. She still, to this day, claims that she was just Starkweather's hostage. But Charles had always stated otherwise and said she was like a willing participant.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Lover's coral.
0: Yeah. So... The police, about a week later, arrived after Grandma Pansy was suspicious and asked them to do a wellness check on Velda and Marion and Betty Jean. The police obviously found the decomposing bodies of Marion, Velda, and Betty Jean. But at this point, Charles and Carol had already fled to Bennett, Nebraska.
3: So now they're wanted.
0: Oh, for sure. I don't know if, like, at this point they realize who the killers are, but they will hear pretty quick. So... Kids and old people, man. Yeah, you have
3: a soft spot.
0: I have a soft spot for the old
3: people. Especially when they're sitting by themselves eating breakfast and stuff. I have
0: to look for wedding rings. And if I don't see a wedding ring, I have to literally imagine like, okay, they're just out for breakfast while their daughter does something or like, oh yeah, yep. They visit their granddaughters all the time. Or like, I come up with a scenario in my head so that I don't have to think about old people being sad and alone. Yeah. It's bad. Seven don't laugh at me. I just it's think sad. it's so adorable. I hate it. It's a curse. Mm. Alright, so seventy year old August Mayer was a family friend of the Whalers and he owned a farm in Bennett, Nebraska.
3: Does he have a wife, a kid?
0: It just says it was him and his dog. Oh. Yeah.
3: Not a dog.
0: Yeah. So instead of just like camping out there and then like going on their merry way. He not only shoots August, killing him, but he shoots and kills the dog.
3: What the fuck is wrong with this dude at this point? Poor old man. Like, he can't witness. On a porch.
0: He's not going to go on the witness stand and say, you did it. Yeah. Like,
3: he leave, have a voice.
0: leave Fido alone. So when Charles and Carol try to flee the area of August's murder, Charles ends up driving the car in a ditch. Oh. Now, two teenagers, Robert Jensen and Carol King... Stopped to offer their help. Charles was so appreciative of their help that he shoots and kills Robert Jensen right oh, there on the spot.
3: Wow. Yeah. What a guy. Hey, thanks for helping me out. But-
0: it makes no fucking sense. So then he attempts to rape Carol King, but loses patience and just shoots and kills her instead. So just, again, what the fuck?
3: And Carol's right there.
0: And Carol's right there. So.
3: This is, I, I mean, for one. You kill the baby. Then you kill the old man and the dog. Now somebody helps you.
0: And the gas station Oh yeah, guy. and the
3: gas station guy and, and yeah. Carol's family.
0: Mhm. Wow. So then they take Robert's car and they head for the wealthier part of Lincoln, Nebraska. The three bodies of like August, Carol, and Robert are found next to Charles's car the next day. So I believe at this point they're like Okay, we're looking for Charles Starkweather and Carol Ann Fugate, like, for sure. Again, though, Charles claims that Carol was an active participant in the murders of August Carol and Robert, but Carol still, to this day, denies it all. They head to the house of an industrialist named C. Lauer Ward, I believe is how you say it. He was initially not home, but his wife, Clara Ward, and their maid, Lillian Fenkel, it's like F E N C L. So I Fencel, Feng, yeah, something. They stabbed Clara hmm. and the family dog to death. W-
3: what is up with them and dogs, dude? I don't dude? know. Like, God, what is up with
0: them and murder? Really? Yeah, like. So they then forced Lillian to make them breakfast, hmm. as you do. You're yeah. Um, Mister Ward walks in at this point, so they shoot him eat their breakfast, and then tie Lillian to the bed before killing her too. They then take Mr. Ward's car and just get the hell out of Dodge. Within a few days, the bodies of Clara, Lillian, and Mr. Ward were found. And then at this point, the police issue a full-scale manhunt that includes National Guard, FBI, and an extensive house-by-house search of the area.
3: But they're probably long gone by now.
0: Kind of, yeah. So the mayor of Lincoln, Nebraska at this time issues a $1,000 reward, which would be like $9,300 today. Gotta love inflation. So now they realize though that Mr. Ward's car is a little too flashy and identifiable. So Charles and Carol hear all this stuff. They know the manhunt's happening and they're like, okay, Mr. Ward's car is a little too flashy and identifiable. So they don't want to attract all the attention. So they are at this point just outside of Douglas, Wyoming, and then come across Merle collision, sleeping in his Buick. Being the piece of shits that they are, surprise, surprise.
3: Shoot him and walk away. They
0: shoot him and kill him, and they attempt to take his car. Another surprise, surprise, Charles claims that it was Carol who pulled the trigger on Merle, but Carol denies all voluntary involvement in any of the Starkweather murders still. Now, here's the kicker to the whole Buick situation. It had a parking brake, and Charles couldn't figure out how to disengage it. So
3: he shot the man for no reason.
0: Well, he shot and killed the guy for, like, the car, but yeah. So then a random bystander offered to help, but Charles, like, brandished a gun and offered to kill him if he didn't, like, leave him alone. And then, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Natrona? Natrona County Sheriff's Deputy William Romer witnessed this altercation and he calls for backup at this point. Now, Carol sees these officers, immediately runs to them, crying and screaming about how Charles has killed somebody. Charles gets back into Mr. Ward's fancy car, takes off. So obviously a police chase ensues and shots were fired at Charles. A bullet ends up shattering his windshield and cuts up like by his ear and his eye pretty badly and he bleeds pretty bad, Charles assumes he's on his deathbed and surrenders so he could get medical attention. Hmm. Yeah. In the All Things Interesting article that I link in the show notes, the arresting officer said, quote, he thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of a bitch he is. End quote.
3: That's definitely a solid statement. Yeah. Like, literally,
0: the only reason you stopped was because you thought you were going to bleed to death, and that's it. You I, murdered eleven people.
3: I feel like I feel like this guy's just not right.
0: Duh. So at this point, Charles and Carol are arrested.
3: Now you said that she turned herself in, crying, saying that he killed someone. Mm-hmm. So is she, do you think she's playing the victim?
0: We'll We'll discuss in a second. Oh. You're jumping the gun a little bit. They're both arrested. So Charles was brought up on one charge, a first-degree murder for the murder of Robert Jensen, the teen who tried to help him after he drove into a ditch. I could not for the life of me find why they didn't try him for the other murders. Like, they just... I mean, I guess the Robert Jensen one... His car was at the scene, so they could like link him to it. Robert Jensen's girlfriend Carol King was at the scene as well. So like, why couldn't they at least? I mean, so, it really doesn't matter, but it just I don't know. It bugs me that I could not find that anywhere. So, um, Charles, this is another uh, karma situation. I love it. Charles willingly chooses to be extradited from Wyoming to Nebraska. So that means that he was gonna He was picked up in Wyoming, so he was going to get tried to Wyoming. But he was like, no, I can be tried in Nebraska. Strictly because the governor of Nebraska at the time was vocally against executions. However, funny thing is that governor made an exception for Charles. Oh, no, yes. So Charles, during the trial, kind of kept changing his story. So he initially said that Carol wasn't even present for the murder of Robert Jensen. Then once he found out that she was kind of like placing all the blame on him... He claimed that she was a willing participant. His lawyers were even wishy-washy and bounced back and forth between him committing the murder due to insanity and him being completely innocent and, like, like, pick one.
3: Right, like, you can't just play both sides right. of the field. Right, you gotta you-
0: pick one and commit to it. The jury, though, wasn't having any of it, and Charles Starkweather was convicted of murder and sentenced to death. Now, Carol Fugate maintained her innocence through her whole trial... Even to this day, she still does. She claimed she was a hostage and he just threatened to kill her entire family if she didn't follow him, supposedly unaware that he had already killed her family. The judge declares that she had multiple opportunities to run away, and so then on November 21st, 1958, Carol Fugate was given a life sentence and became the youngest person in American history to be tried for and convicted of first-degree murder.
3: I feel like she definitely deserved it, though, because they stayed in the house.
0: On June 25th, 1959, Charles Starkweather was executed via the electric chair and buried in Wayuka Cemetery in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is the same cemetery as five of his 11 victims. Wow. Yes, so...
3: Did he pick that?
0: I don't think he... I don't think he get to pick.
3: That's kind of messed up.
0: Well, I mean, he's kind of a messed up guy, so... Uh, Carol served 18 years of her life sentence before she was released on parole for good behavior. She married a man named Frederick Clare and became Carol Ann Clare. The two moved to Hillsdale, Michigan. Oh. Right in our backyard, kind of. Oh. Yeah. they're. I'll, I don't want to like give specifics, but they're within driving distance, easily. Oh. Yeah. Now, in 2013... Carol and Frederick were driving, and their SUV went off the road. Carol survived with pretty serious injuries, but Frederick did unfortunately die at that point. And then just recently, in February of 2020, at the age of 76, Carol applied for a pardon because she didn't like that people still thought that she was like a willing participant in Starkweather's murder spree. Uh, According to NBC News, she said that it is just, quote, too much for me to bear anymore, and receiving a pardon may somehow alleviate this terrible burden, end quote, but she was denied the pardon. Thank God. A lot of people believe that Carol was completely innocent and was just another victim of Charles Starkweather. Uh, the book that I quoted and cited in the show notes, The Twelfth Victim, The Innocence of Carol Fugate in the Starkweather Murder Rampage by Linda M. Battisti is literally all about how carol was like charles's 12th victim obviously he didn't murder her but like holding her hostage like all that kind of thing some of the murder victims grandchildren even publicly supported carol's request for a pardon so there's like yeah there's quite a big group of people who believe that she was actually his like 12th victim like, and I don't know. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna say I'm kind of like on the fence-ish. The she was one. only fourteen.
3: Yeah, but her parents even said, like, "Look, we don't want this dude in our life."
0: She well, could yeah, have walked no, away. But she's fourteen. It. She thought she was like in love. She's. I mean, think of you when you were fourteen. You do not have the best, like, what is it? The whole like cortex, some sort of brain <laughs> cortex or something, isn't fully developed till you're twenty-five. So, like, decision-making skills for her probably... I mean, obviously, were nowhere near fully developed when she was 14. I could totally see her being, like, his 12th victim. But then also, like, I I think a 14-year-old could have got... Like, I don't know. The way that she surrendered herself to the cops at the end, she knew what she was doing there. So, like...
3: Yeah, she was playing the system. I don't know. You women are smart. We don't give you enough credit.
0: Whoa. I'm I'm glad I got that on recording.
3: I'm just saying. All right. You guys.
0: Well, that is our case for the week.
3: Yeah, that was pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm. A little disturbing, a little upset.
0: Quite a bit. Yeah, most true crime cases are. Yeah, poor 11 victims and two dogs.
3: How long was the span of these murders?
0: It was like end of November, beginning of December when Robert Colvert was murdered. And then the final murder, the Merle collision with the Buick was in, like, the end of January, so within a couple months span.
3: Oh, wow, that's messed up. Yeah.
0: This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.